Jambase podcast listeners. Thanks for coming back to check out this episode. I'm Andy Kahn, and Jambase is a partner of Osiris Media, the podcast network for music. On this episode, we're about to hear my interview with Steve Merritt, who performs as Delicate Steve. We spoke a little while ago about the new Delicate Steve album, After Hours, that was recently released by Anti Records. Stick around for that interview, which we'll get to in just a bit. First, I want to start off on a bit of a somber note, as two icons of popular music passed away this week. British-born Australian singer and actress Olivia Newton-John died at age 73. Talk about a global superstar. Olivia Newton-John was probably best known for her portrayal of Sandy in the 1978 film adaptation of Grease, alongside co-star John Travolta. The film's soundtrack featured such well-known hits as Hopelessly Devoted to You, You're the One That I Want, and Summer Nights. In addition to Grease, Olivia Newton-John also appeared in such featured films as Xanadu, Two of a Kind, and It's My Party, among many others. With the 1981 release of Newton-John's album, Physical, and its mega-hit title track, she furthered her worldwide popularity. Physical, the song, spent 10 weeks atop the Billboard Hot 100 singles chart, tying a record at the time. Newton-John continued acting and recording music over the subsequent decades, selling over 100 million albums and winning four Grammy Awards. In the 1980s, she became an outspoken advocate for environmental issues. In 1992, she was diagnosed with breast cancer. For the rest of her life, Olivia Newton-John worked extensively with breast cancer research organizations and others that support survivors and patients. Donations can be made in her memory to the Olivia Newton-John Foundation Fund. What an immense talent and truly beloved person. Rest in peace, Olivia. The music world also lost the Motown songwriting legend Lamont Dozier, who passed away this week at age 81. He was part of the songwriting team Holland Dozier Holland with brothers Brian and Eddie Holland. And the trio wrote many of the classic songs that gave Motown its Hitsville, USA moniker. A Detroit native, Dozier began working at Motown in the early 1960s. While he also found later success as a solo artist and with other labels, his unprecedented accomplishments at Motown are what set him apart as one of the all-time great songwriters in all of popular music. Holland Dozier Holland were inducted into the Songwriters Hall of Fame in 1988. Dozier was given the organization's Johnny Mercer Award in 2009. According to the Songwriters Hall of Fame's Lamont Dozier exhibit, quote, The catalog of Holland Dozier Holland, created in the 1960s, was a major part of the Motown success. The team of Holland Dozier Holland churned out a massive stream of songs for the Supremes, the Four Tops, the Temptations, Martha Reeves and the Vandellas, the Marvelettes, and Marvin Gaye, among others. Catalog highlights include Baby Love, Where Did Our Love Go, Baby I Need Your Loving, You Can't Hurry Love, Reach Out, I'll Be There, How Sweet It Is to Be Loved by You, Stop in the name of love. Love is acting like an itching in my heart. Heat wave. Nowhere to run. Bernadette. It's the same old song. And more. Holland Dozier Holland were architects of the self-titled Sound of Young America and created the songs that turned a fledgling Detroit record company into an industry groundbreaker and powerhouse. End quote. Holland Dozier Holland were also inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1990. In tribute to Dozier, the Rock Hall posted a message that read, quote, 1990 inductee Lamont Dozier of the legendary songwriting team Holland Dozier Holland helped create Motown's Sound of Young America through his studio production work and the creation of massive hits that moved the heart and soul of fans around the world. His songs blended the fervor of gospel and R&B with the power pop melodies for artists like Marvin Gaye, Martha and the Vandellas, The Miracles, and The Supremes. Dozier continued making hits with musicians such as John Anderson, Phil Collins, Simply Red, and Boy George, 
and his music will live forever as some of the best rock and roll songs ever written. End quote. It's hard to imagine that all those amazing songs came from that incredible songwriting team. May you rest easy too, Lamont. Thank you for all the songs. All right, now let's shift gears and turn to my interview with guitarist Steve Merritt, whose fantastic new Delicate Steve album, After Hours, came out shortly before we talked. Steve told me about his time in Tucson, Arizona, where he decamped at the start of the COVID-19 pandemic. His time there was spent away from the guitar, and we talked about the effect that had on his musicianship and ultimately the new record. We also talked about the 1966 Fender Stratocaster guitar that was the only guitar Steve played on the album. It turns out he's really not much of a gearhead, and instead left the search for the perfect guitar to his friend and cohort, Ophir Gannon. He talked about embracing the sound of the guitar, which was a different approach from many of his past recordings that tended to strive for obscure sounds from the instrument. Steve discussed his songwriting process and how the album came together during recording sessions held last year. Among the other musicians who appeared on After Hours were Brazilian percussionist Mauro Rafasco and bassist Shazad Ismali. And we explored how they each played integral roles in creating the album. We also touched on Steve's experience as a touring member of the Black Keys in 2019 and 2020, leading up to the pandemic. I thought he shared some pretty interesting insights from the perspective of someone who has a successful solo career, stepping into that role of a touring musician. I've been a fan of Delicate Steve's instrumental music for over a decade now, and he continues to impress. If you haven't checked out the new Delicate Steve album, After Hours, when this episode ends, be sure to correct that. Now here's my interview with Steve Merritt which will lead into with a bit of Looking Glass off the new Delicate Steve album, After Hours. It's Steve, Steve Marion. And we're going to talk about your new album, After Hours, that's out now. It's a really cool album, man. I've been listening to it quite a bit over the past couple of weeks and, and, and days. And uh, it, I, I'm wondering, how does it feel to have it out in the world now? Feels, uh, feels uh, good. It's, it's not in my head anymore, so mm-hmm. which is bad. I actually liked it in my head. I listened <laughs> to it a lot more, I think, before, before it was out. But now everyone else can listen to it. It makes it pretty permanent now, right? Yeah. I mean, 
maybe. I mean, in a hundred years, I don't know if anybody will be talking about music that was released today. It's fun to kind of think like that every now and then, but uh, sure. it's uh, it's out there right now. That's for sure. So I want to talk about the timeline that led up to the record. If I have it correct, your last album came out in 2019. You know, lots happened since then, obviously, part of which was you toured with the Black Keys, then COVID hit, then tour got canceled. Then you relocated to Tucson, Arizona for like a year. And at some point you got a 1966 Fender Stratocaster guitar. Am I, am I all right there? That's basically the whole story right there. Yeah. That's it. All right. And so, so, so let's go back to when COVID hits and you're, you're, you're a touring member of the Black Keys at the time and, and a big, their big tour gets canceled. So that I, I assume then opens up a lot of your schedule, right? Yeah. The let's rock tour, uh, got rocked by <laughs> the coronavirus pandemic. And, uh, the last show we played was in Las Vegas in, uh, January of 2020 at, uh, at the cosmopolitan i think and uh mm -hmm. that was a really fun show actually i think thing, things were starting to kind of feel really good um kind of a little more unhinged like the first the first tour um that we did in in 2019 in the fall and winter you know everything was getting dialed in and then and then we had some time off and uh and that show in particular i just remember being really fun and um and it was like a, a weekend kind of thing and back to New York and then February is coming around and, you know, uh, some of us knew what was, what seemed like, uh, was inevitable. And, uh, then my tours got canceled. Everybody's tours got canceled. I left New York city, went to Tucson, Arizona for, for, for the year. Uh, I've got some family out there and I really love it out there. And, um, it was just a, a beautiful place to be. Um, and, uh, just kind of have a, have like a palate cleanser of a, of a year and, uh, just try to stay positive and, and, um, yeah, it was, I'm very fortunate to be able to, you know, have escaped New York and, and, um, not have to have lived through the pandemic here because I think for me that to, to sort of have the comparison of what things are like normally and then what things were kind of like with COVID it wouldn't, you know, it'd be tough. It'd be tough for me. So I had no, yeah. no frame of reference for what really life was like out in Tucson. Um, and that was nice to kind of be there for the year. And, uh, and it didn't really focus on music at all. And, um, yeah, got back to New York and uh bought this bought this vintage strat. And uh I've got a buddy here, his name is Ophir. He's kind of like I I don't care really almost at all about equipment or gear. Um mm -hmm. I kind of never never really have unless I unless I need to find something for a for a particular use or sound. Mm -hmm. So um, but, but, but my friend Ophir is like, uh, to, to be able to see guitar through his eyes and ears, um, it really makes 
the importance of equipment sort of like uh just that much more um understandable for me and so okay and yeah so he so i told him i wanted to get a, a white strat and uh he you know next thing you know he was like you gotta you gotta get this one and he he kind of found a deal on one and uh and i went and picked it up and yeah that kind of was the the seed for for my new um record so it it sounds like you were enjoying your time playing with the black keys on that tour i was i was uh i mean it was it's an interesting experience it's uh i think the the arena thing is 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 tough for me um not necessarily the uh playing but the sort of lifestyle i'm used to being in smaller bands and mm-hmm. for me what that means is like kind of less dialed in of a of a, an experience on tour uh, which you know has pros and cons but i i, I kind of enjoy that and i and i like i like you know remembering oh when, when we played in denver we played at this theater and this happened and when you're playing arenas, everything kind of blurs together because they're, it's just, everything is exactly the same. Uh, mm-hmm. you can't really tell you're in a different place that easily. And, you know, you don't meet the same kind of people you meet at a, you know, when you're playing a small club or something like that. Um, and so the, the experience of touring is, uh, not as, not as like, um, exciting in a way. Uh, with the arena thing, but the performing uh, was was lots of fun, and uh, and you know, I kn- I've known Pat for uh, maybe five or so years, and mm-hmm. he's the one who kind of got me involved. And playing with him is really fun. Um, I bet, yeah. He's just like it's it's he's got so much energy. And, uh, he, you know, it's just fun to just, just to keep up with him and, uh, and to kind of, I felt like I was, I was there to sort of like do, do my thing. And and I was playing like the bigger lead parts, um, that were, I think before me were played by like keyboards. Um, so like the gold on the ceiling, uh, like so that 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 stuff was so fun because i like playing really big parts and uh you just knew like you know okay when i hit that first note ten thousand people are going to be singing it at the same time and yeah it's so fucking cool so that that yeah i, I had a lot of fun
It's, I find that interesting that you had that experience and then you went from that to the isolation, we'll call it, of Tucson. Um, you said you went there, you have family there. That Was that the draw? But were you also going with, in response to the pandemic, were you trying to get out of New York and, and make your way to a different spot to, to, to ride out the lockdown or whatever? Yeah, I, 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 I was trying to get out of here and, um, and, you know, I, I was with my uh, partner at the time and, and we, you know, I think a lot of people, if they had, they're fortunate enough to kind of have a, uh, an escape patch, they, they used it. And, um, yeah, I just, I knew, I knew nothing was going on and, uh, wasn't missing out on anything. And so, you know, why not, uh, be in a place with a big sky and, you know, beautiful scenery and, um, try it on. And, and, you know, it's not something I would do normally. So it kind of made it all the more sense to just, to just give it a shot. And, uh, I I actually think about this. It was, uh, I was going to play a delicate Steve tour early March of 2020. And I had to cancel, I had to kind of make the call before things started shutting down. Um, because we were going to fly out at the end of February and I canceled this tour reluctantly and obviously turned out to be the right thing. And, uh, we were going to play the chapel in San Francisco. Um, and Adam green, who, um, is a friend from New York, a musician and his band is composed of some friends of mine as well. They were, we were going to be out on tour at the same time. Uh, playing a lot of similar venues and uh and one of those was 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 the chapel in march and i went to the chapel i went to san francisco in uh october of 2020 and the our poster was still up on the on the outside like it was as though wow. you know the apocalypse happened yeah, and time had frozen week, yeah it was that's that was interesting to see and and i That's think it was wild. up there for like a full year yeah because it's like you know why, well, yeah. why not have it be up there but yeah and when you went to tucson did you did you go there thinking you weren't going to play guitar that you were going to kind of try and not listen to music and get away from it um i can't really remember uh, you know I brought my guitar. I brought a guitar with me and okay. um, I can't really, I can't really remember if it was conscious or not, but I didn't play. And um, uh, they all, I did, I did, I did one musical thing out there. Um, and it's the Scott McMicken uh, singer, Dr. Dog was living in Tucson for a few years. And um, like, it took us a while to, um, sort of connect out there we're friends and have toured together in the past and when we finally did he was telling me um just like he was like i heard you i heard your cover of hallelujah by leonard cohen um Mm -hmm. it was a live one that i did he's like it you know it was amazing like it brought me to tears it was it was and he's like forgive me if if uh you know this sounds sort of like uh, you know, ignorant or, or 
I'm just getting into this idea of phrasing myself. And he's like, what, what your thing is to me is just all phrasing. He's like, you, you know, like how, how you play the notes, um, more than, more than the sort of window dressing of what you, what you sound like and, and kind of the aesthetics of, of this album or that your, your delegate, Steve, the essence of it is phrasing. And that kind of like blew my mind. Cause I didn't really ever think about that myself, I guess, weirdly. It sounds yeah, strange. It's, it's very accurate. I mean, uh, it, it does, and it does it, like hearing it, it's like, oh yeah, that, that should be apparent. Um, but it, it, yeah. it is, it is profound. It is a profound insight. Yeah. I was like, I was like, Whoa, I left, I left <laughs> just think rethinking, you know, and, and kind of having these ideas about what, what, what I should make next. And so I really, I think, I think, uh, you know, more than anything other thing that happened in the last couple of years that that um phone call with scott was the singular um like the single biggest uh, influence on my my new record i would say rejuvenating to some degree like it, it it kind of got your you back interested in doing it again after you had not been playing guitar it was it was a little rejuvenating because it was like okay i've got something else to kind of think about and sort of try to re reframe it just yeah it gave me some it gave me something to play around with in my head and it was also just also just clarifying too like i was like okay so like now I'm not going to really think about the sounds of what, like, you know, that's, that mm -hmm. is something that I, I, I definitely like, I've tried to not sound like a guitar for the last, you know, 10, 10 years of my guitar playing. I, I am a guitar player, you know, at my core and I've been playing guitar for, you know, I don't even know how many years now. So in, in one way, people, people like delicate Steve is this project that's kind of out there, but that, you know, when I started that, that was a giant left turn for me. And before that I was playing, you know, my favorite guitar players and the ones that I grew up with and I'm most influenced by are like Dwayne Allman and, uh, you know, I don't know, Robert Fripp and, um, Jimmy Page, obviously, and, but mm -hmm. Jimi Hendrix and, um, so very, very rooted in sort of like the classic, uh, guitar heroes. And, um, and then I, and then, you know, delicate Steve, which is how most people know of me is like a, is a giant left turn from that, but mm -hmm. at my core, I'm, I'm a, I'm a guitar player. So in a way it's like, I'm just kind of like trying to, 
um, focus more on or trying to be more okay with the idea of sounding like a guitar instead of trying to make it sound, uh, you know, like a singer or like, like a keyboard or something like that. When you say that, do you mean like for delicate Steve to sound like that rather than you yourself? Do do you know what I mean? Like the, is delicate Steve a persona in some way? And are you protective of that? Um, yes and yes and no no i don't know it's uh yeah it's it's hard to say at this point um where one ends and the other begins yeah it's it's an identity that i have sort of stumbled into and then you know explored and found and it's changed and, and i don't really know what it what exactly it means but it also means a lot and uh yeah, I don't know. Let me, let me put it to you a different way. Do you, when you're doing the gig with the Black Keys and you're on stage with them, are you on stage as Delicate Steve or are you Steve Marion? That's a good question. Uh, and Dan would introduce me as Delicate Steve from the uh-huh. stage. Um, but that's maybe so and, your fans know you or somebody who's out there who has your record might who might not know right away if they if it's you know your your given name. Yeah, yeah. And you so you're asking if I'm if I'm doing if I'm up there thinking I'm delicate Steve or not. Is that the question? Yeah, yeah I think. Like in your own mind, is that do you separate those two things? Uh yeah, it's an interesting question. Uh it's 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 even it's hard to say and it's and it's even harder mm-hmm. to say when i was on tour with uh amen dunes another band that i played yeah guitar yeah. with both on the last record and in the band um and that was very much like you know like on guitar uh, is delicate steve uh, on the record and it, and it was kind of like it was kind of like definitely uh you know uh, an artistic statement, um, right. As delicate Steve, but on stage, it, I, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's weird. It's, it's, I don't, I think I, I think I am, but unless if I'm, if I'm, if I'm not up there fronting a band and sort of like making a big statement with the guitar and I'm kind of like fitting into, to, to a band or something like that. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not thinking I'm delicate Steve up there. Like, I don't know. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's pretty weird. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Does that, the idea then that you're going to make this new album and, and not be so concerned about whether or not you sound like a guitar, did that change the way that you wrote the songs? Uh, it did. Uh, it, um, it had less to do with, uh, you know, if I was going to sound like a guitar or not, and more, more with just giving my, giving myself freedom to play more guitar like and less sort of pop vocal like because gotcha. I gotcha. If I yeah, if I was going, if I was really trying to make, you know, sort of my brand of like 
vocal pop music on a guitar, uh, that that means like I feel like I have a, you know, more of a box to fit in just with like the you know I want I want all, every single melody to be kind of um, memorable and 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 nothing can really meander or take take a take time to kind of develop and so that's what changed the most on this record and i kind of left on some of the tracks i let myself just you know free improvise and that's what's on the record um and i definitely think playing with amen dunes in particular gave me the confidence to do that um because i also think I, I damon mcmahon kind of discovered similar to scott sort of having a revelation about me and discovering mm -hmm. kind of a, an essence D damon did as well um by by working together on that record like he kind of found something in me that you know i i didn't know was there that's kind of what i that's that's why i love collaborating and uh I, I did a session with Paul Simon once and I feel mm -hmm. like the, the same thing happened where he got something out of me that I would have never, never, never discovered. Um, and so it's really fun for me as a, as a, you know, a music fan and like, I don't really have, um, I'm lucky that I have my own project and I don't, I don't, you know, I've definitely been like a 16 year old in a band and my, like, I'm trying to get my thing across, you know, and, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and, and cause that's, that's, this is what I do and this is who I am. And I don't really feel like that when I'm working on music with other people. So, so it's totally like, I can, you know, I don't feel like I have to do this or that. And maybe because of that and because of the people that I get to work with, it's like something, something comes out that you know i certainly could not expect and um it's kind of like a revelatory process each time so let's talk about who some of the people that worked on after hours with you who are some of the main people so i'd say the 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 sort of like top dog was uh shazad ismali um he runs a uh, studio in Brooklyn called figure eight. And okay. he's somebody I've known for a long time and, and we've kind of crossed paths and are sort of, uh, you know, mutual friends, but never really had a, had a, uh, many proper hangs. And he mm -hmm. was working on the new cast McCombs record, which is also on anti. And so, um, we were talking about that and he basically, he kind of helped me get into the studio and kind of offered his services as, uh, instrumentalist producer, whatever I needed from him. And I didn't really know what I needed. I, and I, I know, mm -hmm. I knew that I wanted to play with other people, but I, I wasn't sure yet what I was even making since I composed the songs in the studio. So, so basically he he played bass on the record and um he was just kind of down and available and so he he would you know i would i could actually just text him sometimes and say like hey what you know what what are you doing right now and he could he'd come downstairs and uh and working with him was unbelievable um he's 
he's one of the most special uh, musicians I feel like I know. And I, even though that's kind of like impossible to say, there's so many people that I, that I think are special, uh, but really incredible work with him. He's playing bass. Uh, Mauro Rafosco is playing all of the Brazilian percussion. Um, Another super talented musician yes. with with an incredible incredible resume. Exactly. I, I mean, I, I it's like he just. I I wanted to hear him do what he felt on the songs too. So mm-hmm. um, that was like a joy for me to to sort of um like allow the songs to be opened up in whatever way that he was hearing them um which mm-hmm. you know it's not always the case making music and it's not always the case that i feel that way that i you know just want hey just kind of do your thing like it's yeah kind of more often than not i'm the opposite um but something about this project was feeling more open in that way and so i'd say they're they're the they're they're sort of like the biggest um, sonic imprint on the record. And we also uh-huh. have um, Jake Sherman is playing all the keyboards uh, or, uh-huh. or, or uh, most of the keyboards. Um, Jeremy Gustin is playing drums on the track. Um, Jeremy's uh, an incredible drummer and someone I've been playing on and off with for, for 10 years. Um, okay. and delicate Steve and other bands and Austin Vaughn is playing drums. And then, uh, Martin Bonventry is playing some keyboards and piano. And that's like my soul soulmate, my musical soulmate. We've, we've been uh-huh. playing in bands together since we were like 15. Oh, um, wow. and it's one of the first times we've been on a record together since we had some kind of like major record deal with the band that just totally went south in like the early 2000s. So that's cool. Yeah. So yeah, those are the, those are the players. And you also had uh Stuart bogey play some, some On horns, Stuart right? bogey. Yeah, that's right. I knew I was going to forget somebody. And, that's uh, all right. He's yeah. yeah. He's, the, the little places that he shows up are really cool vibey. Like it really, he does such a great job of not not overplaying the hand but adding just the right amount to to the songs that he's on it's great yeah he's he is incredible and it was so fun and easy working with him too um and he he just made those arrangements on the fly and you know heard the song once that he's playing horns on and um so yeah it's it was really fun just for me as a musician and music fan just to kind of see all of these people uh, work mm-hmm. work on the songs, you know.
training sessions like? Were was everybody in the, able to be in the same room? And, and were you? I think I I heard you say before you you were like composing in the studio. So how how much of a demo or what what how were the songs presented to the band members? It's it's just an evolving demo until the song is basically turned in to get mastered. Those are okay. <laughs> like I I, I I don't have I, I basically when I'm when I sort of get in the headspace to to make a record uh, and say okay I'm gonna make a record now I'll probably start playing a lot more guitar and I'll probably start recording myself on little iPhone demos of oh, it's a cool riff and 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 then I go into the studio and I don't listen to anything that I've actually recorded. <laughs> and, and I don't, it's just more of a, a process thing where I just uh-huh. kind of, I think start trying to work that muscle and, and capture things I think that are cool. And so I just get in the studio and I basically surround myself with equipment that I've never, I haven't really played with that much. So I feel like I get inspired by everything that, is around me um and in the hopes that i will stumble on on some kind of piece of music some kind of chords or or drum machine or drum loop that is inspiring enough to basically throw something else on top of that that's inspiring enough to add this you know Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. just keeps going and and a lot of times um you know the idea stops after after two things and i can't really turn it into a songs and and you know the the chosen few that become songs are like it's it's awesome uh to 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 kind of have it happen for me because uh, i'm basically kind of trying to fight my own sort of um boredom or just whatever and Oh, that that idea doesn't work. Like if, if if I'm really genuinely inspired by something, it's uh it's kind of uh I don't know, it's really it's 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 a really fun thing for me to experience because I'm like, oh my god, like what was that? Oh, that's mm-hmm. cool. And you kind of have to ride it and um and make sure you kind of capture it before you lose it too. So so the ba- so everyone that was working on the record was was uh involved throughout this process of just kind of like turning something into a finished song Mm -hmm. and um shazad was there kind of he was sort of like the beginning in the beginning stages most of the time um like there'd be drums and guitar and and he would add the bass and then the rest of the musicians were kind of in and out through throughout the process right and then there's also some like auxiliary sounds that come that, you know, I don't know how else to describe them, but they aren't necessarily, you wouldn't call them from an instrument. Are those, is that your production at hand there? Um, I'm not sure exactly the, the parts, but um, it's probably me. It's, it's either me, Shazad or Morrow. I would, I would imagine because he's got, uh, you know, he's got a couple sounds that like are, are sort of, um, hard to sort of place. Mm-hmm. Of, what is that? What is that? So it could, could be, could be one of us three. 
And do you end up transcribing your songs then as part of this process? No. No. I don't know how to do that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, it's funny. Uh, you, I, I also, I don't know if it's funny, but you also mentioned, you know, you mentioned a minute ago, like you like having new things and being exposed to new equipment or new gear. And I know that this guitar that we talked about before, the 66 Strat was the one guitar that you use. And it seems to have been pretty influential on this project. How much of that, like learning new things from the new guitar and how familiar with the guitar before the sessions had you become? Um, it's funny. I just brought it into my friend Ophir today and we're just talking about it and I've got it, you know, it's, I, I got it, I think about 14 months ago and, and it's still revealing itself. Um, That's cool he just bought a pre CBS strat. And so we were kind of comparing the two and the, and the differences and, um, the feel of them. And, and yeah, I, I would say like, I, I, I bought the guitar. I, I, I took it home. I started playing it. I was convincing myself, wow, this is incredible. I got this guitar. And then a week later, my playing on it was so, so much different. And, and, you know, in the studio. And then even just, even just like three months ago playing on the guitar. And I'm like, I can't believe like, I thought this guitar was really cool when I first got it because I, I wasn't really connecting with it yet. Like it was more of a, it was, there was a, there was like a novel thing to it. And, oh, okay. and yeah. now I'm actually like, like it, it takes a long time. I don't know if it's just with, with strats, even though I grew up playing one, but like, this is like a re real deal, you know, strat, but mm -hmm. I, I don't know what it is, but it's, 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 uh, it's not like it's, it's not like it just kind of all makes sense right away. And I'm still kind of getting used to the neck. And so for, for that alone, it's really cool to keep playing this one guitar because it's kind of like both in my head, the, the, like the experience of it and, 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 and actually kind of playing it are both evolving and changing. So, yeah. So it's, so yeah, I don't know. It's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. You said before, I think that the only request was that you wanted a white strat. Is that right? I just want, yeah, I'm, I'm, that's how my brain works. I'm like, <laughs> I, I, I don't care what the thing sounds like i'm like i just like i got this uh i wanted to get this for my last record till i burn up i wanted to play this knock off of uh this joe bonamassa flying v it's uh -huh. like you know I, I i i saw this video of this guy playing guitar he looks like he's straight out of the matrix he has like you know, sunglasses and like a suit. He looks like, you know, the Mr. Anderson dude. And I was like, who the fuck is this? And it's <laughs> yeah. Joe Bonamassa. And I'm yeah. like, who is this guy? And people are telling me about him. And like, he, you know, has like billions of dollars worth of like vintage guitars. And mm -hmm. I was like trying to make sense of all this. And, and on my last record, I was very much, uh, you know, just, I was kind of, I was taking on a modern garage rock uh, 
mm-hmm. ethos, I would say, by just having a drummer and myself and then, you know, backing tracks, which in this day and age is the equivalent of getting, uh, you know, buying a guitar from Sears and playing in your, in your garage. It's like, you know, there's, uh, economical implications to, to having a band that, yeah. you know, it's kind of impossible for, for a lot of reasons. So anyway, so I wanted to buy this, uh, Epiphone Joe Bonamassa flying V just because <laughs> I thought it was, it made total sense to like buy this ridiculous, like knockoff, like Epiphone signature version of like a $60,000 guitar that you could, you know, the Epiphone version is mm-hmm. like 400 bucks and I didn't even care how it sounded. It's the whole point of it. So with the, with the white strat, I didn't care how it sound. I didn't, I didn't know the difference anyway. That's, and I just knew that I've got a friend who, if you tell him you want to get a white strat, he's going to make sure you get the right one. So I, all I cared about was the color of it because I just thought, uh, it's my, it's time for my sort of white strat piece, piece, phase your era and, and your um, era. yeah my white strat era exactly and right. so um and he was like dude you got to get a 66 to like a 68 and mm-hmm. um and yeah i did and and you're, you're loving playing it um you said you've you've played strats before do you have a lot of guitars do you have a lot of other strats no i just have one i have a mexican strat from like 1999 that i grew up playing guitar on and um that was my guitar for a long time i tend to play things i don't have a lot of guitars but i'm actually happily you know selling i just uh i just sold one today which i'm excited about but i'm also getting a uh, congratulations thank you i'm both here <laughs> helped me sell a guitar and get a telly um oh so, nice yes yeah, so i'm what, getting a what, six what year uh, 66. Um, and I think it was, I think there's somebody from the, uh, it, 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 I forget the, I forget whose, whose name it was, but somebody in the camp, in the band, in the band's camp owned this guitar. Um, oh. so it was probably, uh, definitely, you know, probably played by Robbie at some point, which is pretty cool. I was going to ask, um, do you know the, the provenance of, of the 66 Strat that you played for the, the white one? Like, do you know its history much? No, it was, um, it, it belonged to a music store in Illinois and I think it had two owners, um, before me. So somebody, somebody had it from like the early seventies until they sold it. And, the the, um, refin on it was done i think in the early 70s so it's got like a um like a you know a yellowish white um paint job Mm -hmm. um and so yeah it looks cool what about the rest of its parts how how, like how original are the components has it been heavily modified no everything else is original so really i guess cool yeah i'm gonna sound to somebody like Ophir listening, I'm going to sound like a total amateur, but, uh, I, you know, like from what he's told me, it's just, it's like, yeah, the player grade strat is the strat that, you know, uh, has pretty much all of the original hardware and electronics intact from, you know, like 
you know, mid sixties to late to late sixties, but there's mm-hmm. something that's not um, original. Like maybe it's the the paint job or something. Because mm-hmm. if if you wanted to get like like I think this Strat only came in uh, in in Sunburst, I think, out of the factory right. fender. And then if you wanted to um, get a custom paint job, it cost you ten percent uh, more from from fender. Um, mm-hmm. so if you had like the same guitar that I have, but it was like, you know, original white, it would be like so much money. But, <laughs> yeah. So the, so the, the player grade basically means like you're, you know, it's like the best, it's going to sound great, but it might not be, it might not be something that's all original. And that's like totally fine with me. It, you, you can see the guitar in some of the videos that you've done for the songs on the album. Um, I'm curious since since these are instrumental songs, are you do you give particular more attention to videos? Do, do, does the visual aspect that accompanies the song matter maybe more because it is an instrumental song? Um, I don't know. I I I don't I I don't know any other way. Like so, I don't know yeah. what it would be like to do one with with words. Like to me, it's the music is as you know it's i don't think of the music as like having something less than uh a vocal song even though it's true that it 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 does have something missing which is singing but uh yeah i don't know i i i think just as uh as um you know whatever whatever i identify as as an artist um I'm, that's kind of like the one, the one way I know how to look at things. And, uh, and so, yeah, definitely, definitely, you know, want to put, um, a good amount of thought and attention into the visual stuff. I guess I've, I recently heard instrumental music described as, uh, like similar to an abstract painting. And, and so there's, it's kind of open, it could be more open to interpretation at times, you know, depending on sort of maybe the poetry, the lyrics or whatnot. But, um, and, and so I guess that's what I was getting at is like the, you know, you're, you're, you're giving something else to go along with the music as opposed to words in this case, you know? Sure. Yeah. And then, so, I, so, so how, how involved in the concepts of these videos were you? Um, varying degrees, I would say, um, definitely working with, uh, uh, directors that I trust, uh, Eleanor mm-hmm. Petrie. Um, we've been working together now for like five years or something like that. And she's been, she's done most of my like press photos since then. Mm-hmm. And it's, mm-hmm. it's really fun to work with her. And, and she, she did the looking glass video. Um, and, yeah it's like we she's great i i i feel like i can be kind of um pretty abstract with what is inspiring me and and Mm -hmm. sort of run it run it by her and she can and then and then i have trust in her to just take you know like i'm like just just take whatever i'm saying and you know filter it however you want through your your you know lens and uh mm-hmm. and i trust what, what you're gonna do with it so um so i get to kind of just be like oh and, and i really like this oh this or this and 
and know that she'll she'll run with it um, in in a way that I'm gonna appreciate. And it's funny because I I I get so distracted and uh, sort of like she came up with this treatment that was great and you know awesome that sounds great and then and then the first scene we were shooting it just looked so good on the screen on the playback with with mm-hmm. uh ricardo the the cinematographer as well was, did such a great job and i was like oh the, the whole video could just be here like <laughs> like oh this 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 looks so good and she you know she does a great job of also she knows me and so she could also be like uh-huh okay uh-huh and mm-hmm. sort of like okay let's 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 just try some more and then of course it's like i look back and i'm like i'm sorry that i thought the whole thing could be just done in this parking lot but i was just so so actually inspired so and excited but that's uh yeah that's cool i I wanted to ask you too about the playing in a band video i think it has a very cool concept Uh, you seem to have called in a few favors with an impressive group of friends how did that all come together um, I don't know. It felt like the fucking sixties in, uh, January of 2022 before the, you know, things mm-hmm. just like fucking for the world just started got like a little bit more darker. I'm like, I'm like, I can't even believe like that, that this video sort of happened because everybody, you know, it's, it's so hard to corral musicians and artists. And, yeah. and so, uh, I, I know that more than anybody being one and and uh but everybody was just like down and yeah. everybody I had the time like, <laughs> everybody had the time and and you know not only that but just wanted to like put their their essence into the video it's like mm-hmm. you know like it's it, I, I i can't say enough about everybody that was in the video that was in the video can't can't speak more highly of them i can't i'm just like it's i i can't believe it got made uh it just sort of did um you know each day sort of checking in with some more people and following up and um and getting videos back was always such a trip to just oh i bet see it was like you know in the same way it was like um the feeling I got when I heard um, tracks from a, another player that putting something on a song or on the record, it was like, yeah. you know, it just changed it for me. And, um, and so, so yeah, I was like, so, so, so cool. And as soon as like one person, the first person to do it was uh, Will Berman from MGMT um, mm-hmm. plays drums with MGMT and, and um we're friends and, and neighbors in Brooklyn and and I was actually in, in Tucson when, when everyone was sending these in. And um okay. yeah, as soon as he sent one in, I was like, Oh my god, you know. <laughs> and uh yeah, I mean the and and um uh the director Ian uh uh Faria, um incredible work putting it together, um like kinda kind of found a, a perfect way to sort of do it and not just make it like, Oh, here's everybody in the video, but I added a cool mm-hmm. emotional arc and, um, and really kind of brought out like a, uh, like a human, 
quality to, to everybody and, yes. and to the song and to delicate Steve. And like, he kind of like, you know, that's, that's also not really uh, easy. Uh, mm-hmm. It's, it can be pretty hard to do, especially when everyone has just sort of these kind of linear single shot things, but mm-hmm. he, he did a great job putting it all together. And, um, and yeah, that was another thing where it's like, I sort of told him what, what I wanted to bring out of the, of the video and of everyone's performance. And he is at it just sort of like, he, he just got it. And, and so it was such a treat to see, see the edit back. Yeah, I just want to name some of the people that are in it. Joe Russo, Margo Benevento, Dave Drywitz, Karina Reichman, Kevin Morby, Katie Crutchfield, Nels Klein, Meg Duffy, Craig Finn. And that's just like a tenth of them, <laughs> I think. Yes. It's, it's really an impressive list of people that showed up on that. It's re- like, and that was cool too, seeing it for the first time. It was just one after another after another of, of people that I oh, recognized. Man. Yeah, it was really cool. So cool. Yeah, I'm. I'm it's funny, uh, my friend... Uh, I'm, I'm playing these shows right now in Brooklyn, a residency this mm-hmm. July, Sultan Room and Union Pool every every Wednesday, and uh, and uh, uh, Katie Pink, who's playing guitar in the band, um, was we were at the first show, and two two people show up, and she's like, "Hey, those are some of the people that are in the music video," and and I was <laughs> like, I looked up to being like, "What?" and then I'm like, "Oh, that's Rob and Molly from Widow's Peak." Most people might know them from the band Widow's Peak, but I thought sure. that was cool that like it's like, oh hey, they're in the they're in the music video. Like that's such a cool like connection. Um, yeah. 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 I'm so happy like everyone's like kind of kind of captured in there. And and yeah, it's um I would as a as a musician, like I think I would be um kind of nowhere without the sort of like um respect and um uh sort of like backing of other artists because mm-hmm. i feel like i've definitely had some little blips on the on the on the radar in terms of press and like you know the outside world taking taking uh noticing what i'm doing but it's like sure. pretty consistently like since i've been around the biggest things have come from other artists like who are just have to happen to be fans of the music, mm-hmm. um, whether that's like touring with Tame Paula or like, you know, joining the Black Keys or whatever. It's like right. uh, um, that's been sort of like the thing. And that, and if I, you know, if 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 nothing else ever came to me, like you know, success or popularity, but I had that, it's like I I could sort of. Uh, like live and die happily because yeah, it's that's a, nothing, that's success in its own right. Oh yeah, I mean, I, I just it's like I'm a I play music. I'm a musician. I listen to music. Music like the people that I respect the most are like other artists, and and so when you can connect with somebody else and kind of find some mutual respect for each other, it's like I'm like oh my god. And it's, it means so much. So, so along those lines too, just with this video, it's like, it's pretty cool that everybody like, um, was, was so down and like, it's, it, it definitely means a lot.
wanted to ask, did anybody, did, did people record audio? Like, is there ever going to be a mega mix of everybody? That's a great question. That's a great question. Um, people, people did record audio, just like the song would be playing in the background and, and, and okay. people would be, you know, playing over it. So, um, so maybe the easiest would be like taking the, taking some of the drums, which are a little bit hotter. Um, but that was even that as a, as a musician was so cool to hear mm-hmm. in particular with drums, because it, it's kind of with the rest of the song playing in the background, it's the most like apparent, um, uh-huh. sort of game changer, depending on who's behind the kit. And it's really cool to hear just people's different pockets, drummers, different pockets and, and sort of how they, how they feel the song. And, um, that was such a trip because there's like, it's my favorite drummers are in, are in this video. There's, uh, Zoe Brecker who, um, plays with, uh, her, their band is called Hush Puppy. Mm -hmm. Um, but we also played together, um, in this band or with, uh, Oberhofer, this artist Oberhofer and, and, uh, yeah playing with zoe is is so awesome and so to hear their feel behind the uh, on this track and then mm-hmm. hear joe joe's and hear jeremy augustine who is is a friend and former bandmate on and off and and to hear um uh will uh from gmt and just it was such a trip to um to kind of like oh wow like that's what that would that's what that would sound like and you know if i had if i had one thing i feel like i can't do well is sort of ask favors of people um to sort of like be on a track like uh you know because this music video thing was definitely like calling in some favors Mm -hmm. um but if I did have, if I, if I, if I was like a rock star with some crazy record advance, um, <laughs> I would love to just put all my friends on, on these, on like records and, 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 and be able to do like the, the Steely Dan thing sometimes like, Oh, I wonder, I wonder what, what this solo would sound like with this person playing. I wonder mm-hmm. what it sounds like with this person playing it and <laughs> yeah, just yeah. be able to sort of like, you know, or pick with and choose. all of them. Like, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. There we go. <laughs> yeah. Well, you you mentioned your you've got your residency at Union Pool in the Sultan Room. Um, what what else do you have coming up this year? There are some surprises later in the year for sure. Okay. Okay. Um, but uh, um, right now it's this residency, and there's going to be some West Coast dates announcing um, at some point, and uh, yeah. Just cool. other than other than that, just uh, doing my thing and um, yeah. Are you focusing on delicate Steve stuff mostly right now? Um, I am. I I don't know what I'm doing right now. Uh, yeah. Aside from these shows, I'm kind of like I'm uh, I'm trying to uh, spend time. Um, in, in trying to trying to figure out where where the next um, move is going to be for me, and I've been spending a lot of time in uh, Greece, 
and I'm excited oh, to yeah. go back there. And um, and there's just it kind of feels like the a place that I would um, enjoy sort of helping to create a little uh, music scene with the artists that are uh, currently based in Athens. That's cool, man. That's not the Athens I would I was expecting you to say you were gonna go yes. hang out in the music scene. That's cool, no, man. No, different. <laughs> I'm done with the yeah. The well, Black Keys did a funny tour. The it was like a world. It was called like World Tour of America, and they played Athens, Georgia, oh right, Saint yeah. Petersburg, Florida, <laughs> and uh, I forget where else. Like I thought that was pretty funny. That's great. Well, man, best of luck to you. Stay safe out there. Thanks for your time today. Everybody listening should check out the new Delicate Steve album, After Hours. It's out now. It's terrific. Best of luck. Again, thanks for your time, man. Awesome. Thank you very much, Andy. All right. We'll talk soon, hopefully. All right. Take care. All right. See you, man. For this episode of the Jam Bass Podcast. Big thanks to all of you out there for listening. We hope you like what you hear, and if you do, please rate us on the app you're using right now. Thanks also to Steve for taking some time to talk with me. The excellent new Delicate Steve album, After Hours, is out now wherever you find good music. Thanks to Jake Alexander for helping put the episode together. We'll be back next week. In the meantime, stay safe out there and go see live music. <laughs> <laughs>